0: Hey there, and welcome to the show. It is Thursday, which means that I have a very special guest with me. Fun fact. So, I have known this person personally, and they're a dear friend of mine. They're a six figure copywriter. She's a mom, she is a former pastor, and she has been on a private tour under the Vatican, which is super duper cool. Um, very the Da Vinci Code. I love it. Love it. I love it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. So I want to welcome my wonderful friend, Don Apuan, to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you. Oh, my goodness. Um, so tell me a little bit about your journey from quilting and becoming a mom, former pastor turned copywriter. What does that look like?
1: that look like? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but the brief version is that, yes, uh, my husband and I were pastors in the Salvation Army. We, um, at one point, so yeah, let me go back. I had my daughter. I became a mom, and that absolutely changed my life. You know, prior to that, ministry was everything. You know, I was 24-7 pastoring, and then I had this beautiful baby girl, and she changed my world in the best way possible. and um, I stopped wanting to work all the time. And having that drive for um, not perfection, but you know, just I was very driven, you know, think CEO. As pastors, we actually were also running the nonprofit. So we ran three housing programs, a hot meal program, a daily food bank. We were doing 80,000 services with a staff of three plus my husband and I, so we were busy (laughs) and, um, that was my life until I had my daughter. I had my daughter when she was a year old, we had a review and we were told by our local leadership that we were failures because our church was not large enough on Sunday mornings. And so the result of that was that we were transferred, demoted, and I was told I had to put my daughter in childcare which I was not prepared for and didn't agree with. Um, and so I started Googling work from home. I had no idea what world I was going to get myself into. And I bought my first $99 digital course on digital marketing and how to run, how to build funnels and run Facebook ads. And, uh, at the time, I didn't even know how to turn the TV on. I had barely upgraded from a flip phone to a smartphone. So I'm not a tech person, but I figured it out because, you know, as they say, where there's a will, there's a way. And that was the start of my journey. I I knew that I couldn't stay in ministry being treated how we were being treated. And I wanted to raise my daughter. I didn't want somebody else raising her. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't let that happen. So I, I feel like, in some ways, in the beginning, I, I fought and clawed my way um, to success within copywriting, and eventually we were able to resign. And um, now I recently retired my husband. So we are at home. I did get to raise my daughter, and she just started kindergarten at a private school. So, uh, you know, all those things that were on my vision board years ago when I was first starting out. Um, are coming true. So it's, it's an amazing life I've gotten to create as a result of becoming an entrepreneur.
0: Yay. I love that. And congratulations for retiring your husband. I know that that was, that was big for you. It was, (sighs) it was, thank you. So good. So I want to talk um, because we've, we've had wonderful talks about this and I've had a few conversations about it, but when you are looking to um, take on new clients, um, or when a client approaches you for copy, what are some things that you look for?
1: Great question, yes. It's uh, the, the challenge and the opportunity as service providers. <laughs> to work with other people. Um, I think first and foremost for me is being aware of and listening to your gut. Because most often when, and usually you see this in hindsight, when you have a bad client experience and you rewind your brain and you're like, okay, how did I end up here? What signs did I see? You're trying to like figure out how not to do it again, right? I would say if not nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, you can pinpoint having a gut reaction on the sales call where you were like, eh, something just feels off. Right. And, you know, we don't always, that's the thing with our gut and our intuition, which I absolutely believe in the power and that gift. Um, we try to talk ourselves out of it with our brain especially when there's money involved and we're like, oh, well, I got bills to pay and this person's willing to pay me. So it's all good. And some clients are not worth 10 times the amount of money that they pay you or a hundred times the amount of money they pay you. So one coach described it to me as expensive money. And yes, um, some clients, the money they gave me was far too expensive for my liking. And I learned some very hard lessons the hard way. Um, so that's the first thing is listen to your gut, like be aware on wh- whenever I'm on a sales call, I'm like having this own conversation in my mind, as well as having a conversation with the person, like, do I want to actually help this person? Do I feel like we have some kind of synergy do you know I'm I'm constantly thinking and analyzing um, them and that's okay I mean it really should be it it should be like you interviewing them to see if they can hire you versus the other way around and often we look at it as us uh, as them interviewing us to see if they want to hire us But I think that's backwards. I think it really needs to be us almost interviewing them and like, no, you do not make the cut. Obviously we say that nicely. Usually if I have a bad feeling um, and they still wanna work with me, I will either put my rates like really, really high and or be booked out for months. which could be true i mean as you know service provider syndrome we have our own stuff that always gets neglected yeah. so you know even if i only had one or two clients in the pipeline i know that my stuff could be months worth and so i would just tack that on and be like no i'm not um i'm not actually taking clients uh, it's a waiting list for a couple months at this point plus it's x number of dollars which could be any obscene amount that you feel like saying or you just find another way to nicely say, I don't think we're a good fit, which I've also done that in not so many words, but, um, I've never told someone like rudely, but just saying, you know, I don't think that this is going to work for me and that's it. So it does take courage for sure. And courage is something I talk about a lot, but usually in like putting yourselves out there. And I usually talk about courage in client acquisition, but it also takes courage to say no, especially when you need the money. And that's the other thing is like, don't after your gut instincts, don't let money make the decision ever for you, which is tough when you're first starting out and you're more desperate, like legitimately for those clients to say no, um, is tough. And I I have one, um, an individual that, you know, that I said no to. And literally, I think it was within a couple of days of saying no, it might've even been the next day. I had someone sign with me that was like way more money, way less work. And I was just like, ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, it was like, it just got delivered. You know, I said, no, even though it was hard, it's hard for me. Cause I'm a, I think a lot of service providers find themselves in service, right? Like it's what we do. We know we can help someone. We want to help them, but Oh my goodness. We have to learn to say no because some people are just too expensive.
0: I love that. And I also know that we've, we've had that conversation where I'm like, I can't tell if it's my mind or the money as Mm -hmm. far as like taking, taking those projects. Um, And yeah, I love the idea of expensive money because it's, it's not just the money, it's the time and the effort and the mental processes that you have to go through. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the emotional baggage
1: that comes with some people and your energy, your own energy, your own, um, ability to be happy and joyful and, you know, have the energy for all the other things in life that you do. So it really takes a toll beyond just the time for sure, for sure. And I would say to the trying to figure out between mindset and money, if you're questioning it, I'm going to say, just say no, (laughs) that's what I'm going to go with. Because if if it's not, you know, I've had people say like, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. No. So if you're on a sales call and you don't feel like this whole thing is magical and yes, you would love to help this person, then no, then no, let it go. (laughs) And I know that's a bold thing to say, um, but you'll be happier in the end.
0: That makes sense. Awesome. So if you get to the point where, you're not quite sure, and they're there like things that are being said rather than just like a gut feeling that you're getting. Um, like what are some things that you've heard that for you send up red flags?
1: Mm, great question, yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna back up a little bit because some of it starts with just getting on the call. Is the person late? Did they stand you up or reschedule? two, three, four times. Are they on camera? You know, most of my sales calls are on Zoom. And so, um, you know, if if they're too busy or they don't even wanna be on camera, it, it's it's tough to have that conversation. I mean, thank goodness for technology, right? <laughs> A few years ago, all our conversations were on the phone. But, um, you know, we have the ability to actually look at people now. So if they're unwilling to do that, I think that's, that's like the first level a sign of like respect for you and how they're going to treat you is, do they show up on time? And are they present? Are they really distracted? Um, So that's the first thing. And then as far as what they say, um, for me, I would say the biggest triggers are anything having to do with money and feeling like they have a scarcity mindset, especially when it comes to copy. Um, Many people don't understand the value of copy, they don't understand that copy actually makes them money. And so if somebody is like asking for discounts on prices or like having any problem with the investment amount, that's a red flag to me. And it's, it's not that you can't have a conversation and that people can't overcome that obstacle and still be a decent client. That's why you talk through and have the conversation, but I've had people Oh man, I've had some funny sales calls (laughs) where like a seven figure earner nearly fell out of her chair that, and the offer that I gave her was like 4k, which is relatively small for what I sell now. But, um, you know, she was on track to make seven figures, but the 4k, she nearly died. And she literally on the call was like, hold on, I have to like recover myself and take a few breaths. Like she literally, I don't know. I don't know what world she lived in. And then once she recovered herself, she's like, I only pay my lawyer $250 an hour. I I can't imagine paying you more than that. And at that moment, I was like, cool, we're good. (laughs) I'm out. Because here's the thing, even if somehow she had this belief that um, that 4K investment would, make her the ROI that she was looking for, which we didn't even get to that part of the conversation, like what she was really looking for to get from it. Um, She wouldn't believe it anyways. And she would never value my work. If the money is such a hard thing to get past and she's going to compare me to an hourly attorney who does not make her money, but um, then she's never going to value the copy. It's going to be like revision- after revision, after revision, which that's why you have those things in your contract, but they're only allowed to do three revisions. Yes. Things like that, which help, um, once <laughs> you do get into a nightmare client situation. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. If, if the money is tough, they're never going to value your skill. They're just not, I've had ones who like, we figured out, you know, a compromise in a payment plan that would work for them. And then, what happened is they, they still, it was like, it was such a tough investment for them. They were still stuck in scarcity mindset and they were always scared. And that copy never did anything. They ran ads for 10 days and then they gave up, which in our world, I mean, I, I do have a lot of clients that convert within 24 hours. Like almost all of my clients have sales within 24 hours with ads and without even, but And so hers was different, although I wasn't running the ad. So I don't know what was happening on that end, which is another challenge for copywriters. But, um, you know, she gave up so fast. And again, it's I never felt appreciated. I never felt like my skill was valued and that she would put what she needed to put into getting traffic to the page and doing what she needed to do in order for it to take off. So that's a huge red flag. Like be very aware when you're having the money conversation. Um and linked to that, be very aware of what they've tried before. Mm. Like I've talked to people who have hired multiple copywriters and I'm out <laughs> as soon as they tell me usually I don't know that I've been hired by anyone that's used more than one or two. And in that, in those cases, it was like, they're not doing it anymore. And so they needed a new copywriter, but I've had sales calls with people who've had seven, eight, nine copywriters. And that is not the copywriter's fault. Like I will just say, no, I don't know who those copywriters were, but when you have a pattern like that, it's usually a red flag that that person, for whatever reason, does not interact well with copywriters. And it just doesn't work. If you don't believe in it, and if you don't trust that that person knows what they're doing, it's not gonna work. They could be writing the best copy in the world and it's still just not going to work, which is like the weird freaky part about copy is that you you could write for two clients, like identical things. And one could take it, run with it and make tens of thousands of dollars. And another could make nothing because they don't believe in it. That's when you like, really get into the freaky mindset stuff. But um, yeah, super big red flag if they've tried all the things and nothing's worked for them because usually the common denominator is them. So that is one of my red flags as well.
0: Yeah, I've mine is, is normally those conversations where they're like, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've hired so-and-so and I've gotten this result For me, I know that walking into that situation, I am now, it's like, when you go to Kleinfeld and you find that one dress that you absolutely love, and then you go try on 75 other dresses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so you're comparing everything that everyone does to the last one or the last two, rather than taking it Mm -hmm. at face value for what it is. Yeah.
1: And I would take it even deeper than that because my guess is that those people think that all of those things and all of those contractors they hired are the magic bullet. Mm. Right. We put so much, especially we had the conversation about the gurus, right, who, you know, profess that webinars work or, you know, this is the way to get clients or like, yes, every guru system worked for them it does not mean that it's going to work for every person they train on that system. So that's where I do get really concerned is that deeper level of that. They seem to think that everything is a magic bullet and they're willing to throw money in like every direction, whether it's to hire a social media manager and they hire a copywriter and they hire a brand strategist and they hire like all these things. And you're like, no, the common denominator is still you. I imagine, I mean, not, not that every contractor and service provider out there is great at what they do. Right. They're probably not all great, but I would say in the majority of those cases, it is not the service provider. That's the problem. It's the person that thinks that that one thing is going to be their magic bullet to get them to six figures or seven figures, or to finally make it in the online world. And, it's just not, it's who they're being. It's not any one strategy that they do that is an indicator of success. So that's the red flag that would come up for me. If they've worked with a lot of people, not only like you said, are they going to be comparing you to all of them, especially if they've worked with like eight copywriters, (laughs) then you're definitely being compared to copywriters, but You're just going to be compared to everything else that didn't work. It's a losing game. It's like getting yourself into a game that the odds are totally stacked against you. And there's no amount of money that's worth that because then what it does, not only does it cause you like a ton of stress in the process and an unhappy client, then what happens is it like messes with our minds and we begin to think like, oh crap, am I not good at what I do? Should I abandon this? Like we start to second guess ourselves, we start to doubt our own uh, abilities, and you know, you you get thicker skin as time goes on, and you deal with the the fun clients. Um, but it's tough. It's still tough to have someone who's angry at you or someone who blames you. The co- copywriters are easy scapegoats. We're such easy targets. I was just talking to. Um, Recently, with Ray Edwards, who, you know, you can look at any of his websites and sales pages. He has written copy for some of the biggest names in the industry: Tony Robbins, Jeff Walker, Amy Porterfield. You know, you name it. He is behind a lot of their successes. Right. Um, he's the one who wrote copy. And our conversation that we had was about unhappy clients and how you handle them and what you do. And he said, you know. Um, you can get blamed, but usually that's where you have the courage and try to have a conversation about what happened because usually there's some other step that was missed. Like they didn't pull their weight in getting the traffic, the right traffic to the sales page, or their ads weren't converting, or they didn't actually do the webinar how they were supposed to with the stack and the offer like there's so many factors that go into a launch which you know um but the the easiest thing to do is to blame the copywriter every time so yeah you want to you want to try to avoid those who have tried everything because chances are they're going to try you too and then it's not going to work and you're going to be the next on the list
0: yeah and I think the, like having that expectation, um, one of the key phrases that's like my, no is, is I need. Cause mm-hmm. as soon as they say on top of, I've worked with these people and it's not working. And then they're like, but I need this launch to work. I need
1: mm-hmm.
0: this, this five email sequence and the email's a whole nother thing, but I need this five email sequence in this one launch to go well. And oh I haven't talked to them because it takes me seven months to write one email.
1: Yeah those ones are fun.
0: (laughs) Um (laughs) yeah those are those are like all the sirens. Um but that's it's fun to know to see these things in hindsight. Because hindsight yes. is always 2020. 20. Hindsight is.
1: Yeah, definitely the need when they're referencing an amount of money or conversions or something like that is a huge red Like money doesn't like desperation. So I mean, that's not just for like our sphere. Um, definitely a red flag. And you know, that's why we ask questions about like how often do you email your list? Because I mean, I know that you're in, into emails um, and that's what you do with copywriting. And I do some emails, but mostly sales pages. Um, regardless, if they have not emailed their list in six months, right. you could, I mean, I had a client um, who wanted to hire me and that was the case. She hadn't emailed her list in like six months and she was launching in like a week and a half. And I was like. You haven't spoken to any of these people. And it was like it was a thousand dollar. So a thousand dollar program that she wanted to sell only by email. She didn't want to do a webinar or a live launch or anything. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to work. It's like, I hate to be the bad guy here, but it's not, it's not going to work. And it's hard. It's hard to um, be the bearer of bad news sometimes. Like I'm totally a person that like normally would like to sugarcoat things but not at the cost of that. Like you just can't, you've got to have, for me it's integrity <laughs> and being able to say like, in a nice way, um, I think you need to push back your launch and consider some other options for how that launch could go. <laughs> because what ultimately happens is they would get disappointed, right? Like, and I've seen that a ton too. People who launch and they spend all this time and energy and then they have zero results and so that's they really discouraging. Their
0: copywriter. yes
1: or they think that they did it because they didn't hire a copywriter maybe oh. that's why if they're still in the diy which no shame i i bootstrapped my way girl oh my goodness <laughs> oh i did like all the diy courses I, not all of them are finished, but um, I bought them all because that was a cheaper option. I mean, I was making, I kind of laugh now, um, my husband and I, our combined income was a little over $2,500 a month as pastors. So when I started my business, um, I didn't have a lot of money to enroll in 10, 15, $20,000 programs to, or services at that time. Right. Heck, I didn't even know what a copywriter was to be honest at that point in time. When I first was Googling work from home, uh, I wish I had found it that early, but I did not. I did affiliate marketing for like a year and a half before discovering it and switching. But um, it's okay. It taught me some good skills. But yeah, it's um, clients are tricky, but it always pays off. To be honest, follow your gut. Have the courage to say the hard things. That's probably, that's, that's the big thing. Have the courage to say the hard things and to walk away. Yeah. (laughs) Even when I had one person that was like, you're seriously going to walk away from 25 K. It's like, yes, I am. (laughs) And it's one of the best decisions I have ever made. (laughs) So there you go.
0: There we go. Those are red flags. Okay, so then on the other side of that, because now that we've identified for people who are copywriters, service providers going into these situations, um, what are... We'll call that a PSA for copywriters. But what are some clients that you've had are like characteristics of people that you've absolutely loved working with
1: mm, that's a good question characteristics most of the ones that i really love are into some kind of spirituality they believe in abundance they believe in manifestation they're they have that level of excitement and energy curiosity this idea that 100 percent is possible 100 percent of the time like More of that go-getter spirit versus that more scared, like a fear-based scarcity mindset. So all of my awesome clients um, have really great personalities, but um, yeah, they also have just the mindset, the right mindset. Um, And then the other thing that I have come to see is um, that trust level, which I kind of hinted at earlier, trusting me to do my job, versus ones who micromanage and want to change every single word. That's rough. I've had clients where they paid quite a bit of money, actually, um, like for a sales page, and I've looked at it like a couple months later, and it's totally different. Like they don't even have the headline or the subheadline or like, they took out sections, they moved sections around. And I'm just like, there's actually like a whole psychological journey that the sales page takes the reader on. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And, you know, they paid over five figures for that and then they change it. Or somebody who just like puts you through revision, like add like forever revisions, which is why I have that in my contract now. <laughs> Um, because they want to revise and revise and revise and revise you're like no it's not a rewrite I mean obviously like you have to have a conversation with them but um yeah so the ones who are so micromanaging I guess that's the thing is like not to the point where they don't trust you that you know what you know like there are points when I just want to be like you hired an expert for a reason like are you gonna let me do my job. I actually had a sales call with someone who, um, nice guy, but he said something like, I'm the type of guy that likes to like write with the copywriter. I was like, nope, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's not how work." because what, I mean, once he described that, I was like, no, you're going to put me into revision forever. Because you're going to keep making tweaks and keep making tweaks to the point where I would just be like, "Fine." But then, if you change the copy so much, it, it's not my copy anymore, and I and I will not take, um. Uh, what's the word? Like I will not um, be responsible for the results or lack of results if you change my headline. <laughs> like, thou shalt not rewrite headlines. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> like coffee client rule number one. <laughs> oh my gosh. It just kills me anyways. So that's the thing. Like, and how do you know that before you get into a relationship? That's a tricky one. You can have it in your contract. You can also ask, like, I ask a lot more questions on sales calls now than I used to because I've had nightmare clients and because I'm like, okay um, let's talk about, uh, how much you like to edit, you know, and that's also like asking questions like, you know, how many times have you launched this product? Um, what were your results? You know, like making sure they know their numbers. That's a good flag. It's a red flag. If they do not know their numbers. Um, like if they're just like, I don't know, the launch flopped or like, yeah, I made some money, but don't really know how much, or don't know how many I've sold. If you want a client who knows their numbers and wants to make it so that it's converting higher or something, um, they have a tendency to just know more of what's going on in their business. (laughs) And, and also when you know what your benchmark is, you know, whether or not you've hit the goal. That's another thing, which I I know you understand as an email copywriter, because people have sometimes really big goals with what email can accomplish and really short timelines. And um, lots of times um, it's, they have unreasonable expectations or you don't even talk about expectations. So you wanna talk about expectations on that sales call. Like if they're looking, for me, for example, to polish up a sales page, I want to know what it converted at. I want to know how they got traffic there, how they did their launch, how that went. And I want to know what is their goal for working together? Do they want to double sales? Do they want to increase it by a percent, which in some cases, if it's at 1% to 2% or 2% to 3%, um, that's still a significant revenue. Um, but know what benchmarks you're aiming for because it, It doesn't feel good and it's not fun to have someone come after the fact and be like, well, you didn't do your job and I'm blaming you as a copywriter for not hitting my goals, but the goals were never communicated in the first place. And if they had communicated the goals, you would have been able to say, well, going from 1% sales conversion to 10% sales conversion is a pretty big stretch for one launch. Like, or going from a completely dead email list to getting high ticket clients within three months, that's a pretty unreasonable expectation. So you just get smarter in what questions you're asking, and then listen really carefully to the responses to make sure that um, the expectations are really clear at the outset. So you know if you've done your job and they know if you've done your job.
0: And the process of knowing yourself throughout to say yes or no. Take off mm-hmm. my shirt. Yes. Entrepreneur of life here. <laughs> Love it. Here you go, sweetie. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't keep you. Um, so, this has been awesome as far as hopefully helpful for anyone hiring a copywriter and there are also a few other episodes where we dive into this as well um on when and why and what a copywriter does and doesn't do <laughs> excellent yes, there's a lot that people
1: don't really understand
0: yeah I think I put in my um in my episode on what a copywriter's role actually is is to convey the message but it's not to find out that message for Hmm. the, the coach or the client, like they should know their people before hiring a copywriter. They should be able to communicate to a copywriter coming in, what their message is. Not, I have no idea what my voice is. I have no idea what my message is, what my offer is going to be, what the promises for my offer
1: yeah that in itself is a massive undertaking and way more than just a simple copy project
0: Yes, that's 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 like step a before you even get to hiring a copywriter
1: yes yes please
0: (laughs) yeah so that was that was fun um this was an awesome addition to this whole copywriting conversation um so I have a few fun questions just rapid fires. First one is what is your favorite cup of love? Is it water? Is it tea? Is it coffee?
1: Mm, Bulletproof coffee. Nice. Yes. Every morning.
0: Nice. I haven't gotten there or I haven't had bulletproof in a while.
1: Uh, It's delicious with pizza coffee. I don't use the bulletproof brand, but I mix it with the MCT oil uh, organic grass-fed butter and macadamia milk, actually, now that I'm non-dairy, Yummy. which is quite delicious.
0: Yes. Beautiful. Okay. The next one is what is a book or resource that has changed either your business or your life?
1: Just one book or resource. Um, oh man, there too. are so many. I just, um, one book that has definitely changed my life is Rich AF by Amanda Francis. That is all about money and mindset, um, yes. which I love. <laughs> um, if you want a coffee book, I would say How to Write Coffee That Sells" by Ray Edwards.
0: Yes, beautiful book. I recommend, that was one of my first ones. Um, the Gateway Drug. You recommended for me. Yes. Beautiful. All right. In terms of legacy, if today was your day is today was your last day on this goodness green earth, what would be written on your tombstone? What would be written on your epitaph?
1: Oh, man. I would say lived simply, loved prodigally.
0: Love it. And last one is what does unapologetically authentic mean to you?
1: unapologetically authentic having courage to say the hard things not just being vanilla but adding on you know cherries and marshmallow cream or hot fudge or whatever else to make that vanilla ice cream a little more pizzazz um and just being who you are I think yeah and and not putting all those toppings on for the sake of trying to be some kind of authentic or different than what you see out there. But I think so often we compare ourselves to others. So put the blinders on. It helps me be more authentic rather than always comparing myself or trying to be like so-and-so in the industry. Um, it's just to be be you. Who do you stand for? What do you stand for? What do you stand against? Um, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to use your voice.
0: And uh, have the courage. Have the courage. Take the stand. Love it. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank with you.
1: Sprinkles. So much, <laughs> with
0: sprinkles. With sprinkles. <laughs> Love sprinkles. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Dawn. This was an absolute pleasure. And for all my listeners, remember, unapologetic begins and ends with you. Chat soon.